My name is Bear Fiorda, and you're listening to Pure Evil MMA. going on guys welcome back to pure evil mma i'm your host as always evil eddie back in studio here after crazy fourth of july weekend crazy events that went down this weekend absolutely nuts my mom went to a grateful dead concert last time i went to a grateful dead concert uh maybe i'll tell you guys what happened but uh had to get picked up <laughs> so uh with that being said guys thanks for tuning in we're live once again on the youtube channel so make sure to go subscribe there we have so many people listening on itunes and spotify audible all that i appreciate it i don't know if it's my ugly mug so i'm trying to get some more attractive people on here for you since you guys hate looking at me uh but with that being said, guys, make sure to follow me on social media, evil under dash echo on Twitter. It's E-V-I-L underscore E-C-C-O. And also on Instagram at pure evil MMA underscore Facebook, pure evil MMA Z. And if you want my phone number, you can text me at 203-321-3949. And got to bring this up, man. The one thing you guys got to know about today's guest is you must follow him because out of anybody I've ever met before, this guy is one of the most entertaining people I have come across. And especially for that younger generation. If you guys like Ben Davis, you're gonna love this fighter and his content. I'd like to welcome Jared Bear Fiorda to the show. What's going on, Jared? I said the name correct this time, correct? A hundred percent. Yes, man. I'm very happy to be here. And thank you for having me as well. Awesome, man. Yeah. So listen, dude, it's been a crazy week. Before we get into any of that, I really want to talk about some of your content that you have online here. I, I know that you got a YouTube channel and you got a little bit of uh, an Instagram following as well. And some of the videos are I, I've never seen a fighter manage their videos this way every single one is entertaining um and there's a couple of them i would like to discuss with you but before any of that can you just kind of introduce yourself to everybody um you know your fight career and uh where you're at right now before we jump into everything and of course i'm going to be asking a lot more about your fight career but uh you know between the fight career and then the social media how did how did that all start no, absolutely. So for anyone listening, my name is Jared Bear Fiorda. I'm a mixed martial arts competitor and have been for the last six years of my life since about 2015-16 time. Uh, I've been doing martial arts in general for the last 20 years of my life. I run a nonprofit gym where we teach everyone martial arts for absolutely no cost. And I actually found myself on social media as of 2020 when the pandemic hit. Um, I realized that there was no way for me to continue to teach people in person because of all the different lockdowns. So I decided to get on social media, specifically TikTok at first, and then moving on to like Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, as ways to further 
teach people martial arts through my content, be it through actual lessons, comedy, whatever it is that uh, would kind of grab people's attention to learn just a little bit more about the martial arts world and help them along with their own journeys. So let's take a look at your your Instagram page here as I bring <laughs> everybody over to the Twitter page. Um, look, look, look at this page here, guys. Some of these are hilarious. Which one, if, I, if we're sending people over here, the one that I saw that I really liked, because I, I, I do watch a lot of the Bullshito videos. There's a lot of them. There's some on Steven Seagal, uh, the guy from Bloodsport. What was his name? Uh, um, the guy that be something, something doe or something doe. You're so Frank, close. Frank doe or something. You're so close. So it's 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 like Frank. Uh, we know who we're talking about here. It's like Frank D O U X or whatever his name is. So I watched this crazy YouTube video, right? And it went in on all of the facts that he got absolutely wrong. Like at the end of the movie, they bring up this thing, and it's like he beat like hundreds of fighters like knocked knocked these dudes out went undefeated and then uh it's crazy and for the generation that doesn't know who he is or blood sport i'm sure you know who steven seagal is now ariel hawani has had steven seagal on and for anyone that's been following mixed martial arts for a while knows that there's a rumor a legend i should say that Anderson Silva calls him sensei or master, master Seagal. And you got to sit there. He's saying that he taught him how to do the Anderson Silva Vitor head kick. Do you remember when that, uh, when that went down? I, I, what, so I know about it. I've seen the video, the conversations. I've seen Anderson and him, and him actually working together. Yeah. And, yeah. um, him de demonstrating this kick in the, in the gym. So I know, I know what we're talking about. And what he's claiming to have taught Anderson Silva was that snap front kick that connected just under. He does, right? Yeah. He does Aikido. What, what's your thoughts on Aikido? So Aikido in itself, people tend to say, oh, well, it's meant for weapons disarming or it's not exactly meant for competition. But as we all know, the world of MMA is probably the most realistic form of fighting we're going to get outside of just a random brawl in the street where anything goes. So when you put Aikido in the mix, utilizing these joint locks and these flips and these, or I should say attempts at joint locks and flips that don't actually work on an aggressive opponent, it leaves a lot of speculation like how viable is this martial art and in my opinion it's not very viable at all even their one of their main creeds or part of their dogma is they do not spar because it is too disrespectful and when you take out the ability to pressure test the techniques you're actually trying to use or teaching your students eventually you get stuff that just doesn't work anymore it kind of falls out of place so do you mind if i show them your Aikido master versus Olympic wrestler, uh, a video here. Aikido master versus Olympic wrestler. No, by all means, please go ahead and show that one. Let's see this. Between an Aikido master and an Olympic wrestler, and the answer might surprise you. If you're an Aikido master, that is, because Aikido's gonna get dummy smashed. It's gonna be so bad it has to be added to the Geneva Convention. Like this matchup is never allowed to happen again. Because as someone whose content I always appreciate seeing on this platform says, it ain't a war crime the first time. And whoever sanctioned this kind of matchup is definitely committing one of those. So, like, 
have you seen these have you seen these videos out there uh, of these people going into gyms and actually trying like you have average Joe versus pro boxer in a street fight average Joe versus Muay Thai fighter in a street fight uh, getting kicked in the head as a child will get into that um, like like where did your interest come in with this because this is it's it's so hilarious when you actually watch these videos and you see what's going on and how these guys just get their asses absolutely kicked but the thing that really bothers me is how many people they have like actually following them you know like it's 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 so weird to see how many people are actually in there like learning from them yeah, I, when it comes to all these fake martial arts masters or bullshito artists or McDojos, they tend to garnish a following off a couple of criteria. Number one, they're talking about a martial art that's already been around forever. This is where people get the concept that karate or taekwondo or kung fu are just fake martial arts because they do have a lot of BS teachers in there scamming the students, abusing the students, or just teaching them stuff that would never work. Aww. But they went off a name that people recognize, such as karate or taekwondo. So that's one way they gather a following. The next one, and it's been more recent, is because of social media. There's a gentleman on TikTok. I'm not going to drop his name because, God forbid, I do not want anyone to Is this him. the it's man that correct. was in the corner of a fighter's? And he does the videos on how to not get shot? No, no. That was, um, I, I think that's dust. DUSD Detroit Urban Survival Tactics, unless okay. I'm mistaken. But this other guy's got a smaller platform, and I did a stitch with him once because he was punching the wall with the, he was punching the wall as hard as he could. He's going at it, and basically, I told people that hey, this is um, not only detrimental to your hands; it won't yield any kind of conditioning that is viable for combat sports or self defense long term. You are just creating micro tears in your bones and your muscles and joints, and you're going to eventually ruin your hands. So. Yeah, please. Some people might get a little confused thinking about bare knuckle boxing. And uh, my my former co-host, James McSweeney from Ultimate Fighter Season 10, he was trying to explain to me that the impacts on your hands when you hit another human um, hurts. But for the tearing, it's not going through your skull. It's really exterior. Um but when you're punching something, it could really screw up your hand. But then you see people like Tony Ferguson kicking steel poles. So it's it's a little confusing, right? So it's it's a common misconception with conditioning that you're actually toughening up like the bones in your body. That's not necessarily what's happening. For instance, I could leg kick a tree, I could leg kick a pole, I could leg kick a bag, and I could do that for years upon years upon years. And I'm never making my bones like denser. In fact, they may even snap on me more easily one day. What's happening when people use the word conditioning is you are conditioning your body to be accustomed to this kind of deliberate punishment and pain. To where someone checks it, it still hurts, but it's a pain you're used to. So you can continue fighting through that in the cage or in the tournament, whatever it is you're doing. Right, and you're never, and you're never building up a tolerance, a physical tolerance at least, to being burned by oil. That's just never going to happen to your body. We, as as a species, as a human, are much more frail than we give ourselves credit for a lot of the time. So while sure these guys can take 
body kicks and head kicks and shin checks or whatever, they still feel everything most of the time post-fight, but they're still going to feel it. Hell, things may break on them in the middle of the fight, but they've just got become accustomed to the pain, which is what I was talking about with that guy talking about how you can punch walls and build up the density of your bones and make your fists stronger and more like what they call iron fist training. Yeah, that that's not true. You're just damaging yourself long term. There's a lot of fighters I've seen talk about how they they really mess up their knuckles to try to get them all flat. Uh, have, you, have you seen that before? Or they get them off, they try to really break their knuckles in so they don't break them anymore. They're more flat and harder. Um, I think Tony Ferguson does stuff like that as well, which, you know, don't, you know, he's kind of a different kind of a, a person altogether. He doesn't get hurt doing that, but he can trip over a wire and get the fight called off. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just wacky. Yeah, you know, with that concept, that is not what I'm used to. I've been punching things for 20 years. My knuckles are relatively still in alignment. They're not completely flat. The what I tell everyone is you want to make sure you punch with the first two. Now, there is an argument for the, the, the next three instead of up here. But the way I was taught and the way I've looked at it is there is that forearm bone running directly from your wrist down to your elbow that connects to these first two knuckles right here. That's your reinforcement and what I always encourage people to hit with because that's the least likely thing to break. Hell, with these bottom three, you have the risk of a boxer's fracture where that pinky knuckle is going to shoot right up into the palm of your hand. I'm sorry, the back of your hand. So that's another thing I want to try and teach people so they avoid doing is hitting with the wrong knuckles, let alone flattening them out. That's a new one on me, actually. So I remember in first grade, they taught us not to tuck our thumbs. Do you remember when we used to tuck our thumbs in like kindergarten? We didn't know how to punch. Mm, so yeah. when you're saying if somebody's getting into a fight, let me ask you this. If somebody's getting into a fight and they're, they've never fought before, uh, they're in a bad situation. We've seen a lot of kids get bullied in school. Um, how, would, how would you tell them to react? Should they get back and put one hand forward, one hand back? Should they just, what, what would you say uh, a kid could, could try to do in that kind of a situation? Should he try a stance? Should he, what, what should he try uh, so he doesn't get as hurt? If you're in a situation where you can physically run, run. Like if you have yeah. no martial arts training, you have no fight training, there is no way that anything I'm going to tell you right now or that you'll catch in a movie or even a one-day trial at a gym will ever give you that you can utilize immediately. Real fights where things break out and you have to react on the fly, and you need a kid. second nature. Yeah. You need things to be built into you to where you will re naturally react on your own because your brain's going to be going a 1,000 miles an hour. You're not going to have time yeah. to, to pick apart, oh, I need to hit him like this here or block this punch right here because it's just immediate. So if you can run away, run. If you can't, get your hands up, keep your elbows in, and I'd keep my palms open. From here, I can maybe uh, catch a couple of punches with some parries. I could cover my head if I need to. And hopefully, I'm able to maybe land a decent palm strike or if it comes down to a punch that allows me to get away with minimal damage. But the biggest thing is always going to be to protect your head. Your body's open fine they might hit you in the body it might not hurt as bad um but if they start hitting you in the nose your eyes your lips things that make you tear up that split you open really easy maybe they make blood. you bleed and it gets in the yeah. way yeah 
So you want to try to press protect the face the thing that lets you see what's happening. That's what needs to have the most coverage when you're in a self-defense situation. So you wouldn't say try to grapple with them and try to get them down. You would say. I, I now the reason why I'm saying don't go to the ground is just because if you're in a street fight altercation, it may never just be one person. God forbid you take one guy down. His buddy comes over and kicks you. Now, that could be an extreme scenario where it doesn't happen nearly as often as a one-on-one would happen. But, if you, again, if you don't know how to grapple, you don't know how to take down, you are in the exact same position as that other guy. You're, you're, playing, you're uh, hoping on your luck. Maybe I rushed with enough momentum to take him down. Or, or maybe he's a guy who has some training and he's just being a dickhead. And so he knows that when you rush him, he can put you back on the ground and keep beating you up. So if you can avoid the ground, unless, of course, you're fully competent in your abilities to succeed there, I would. So I live in the third most dangerous state uh, city per capita here in New Haven, Connecticut. And there's a lot of young kids that get involved with gangs and there's no after school activities. They're watching these YouTube videos of these rappers. They're watching, you know, even for a while when Conor McGregor, they thought it was cool to be talking shit and uh, you know, we've seen so much violence here in the city. Even when I was growing up, I was like one of the very few white kids. And for our generation, I didn't realize that didn't affect me. But there is a lot of poor people, white, black, Hispanic, Polish, all, you know, all in a melting pot. And when you get a bunch of kids that don't have families to lead them the right way and you want to go to a karate class, your parents are thinking, I don't want you to be a fighter, but I I really try to push this. You learn more in a classroom at a, a gym than you would in a school. You gain more respect for yourself. You learn more about yourself. You know how to protect yourself more. And not only do you know how to protect yourself, you know how to defuse situations. Uh, what, what do you usually learn the first year in a mixed martial arts class with kids between you know, seven and 12. Uh, what's usually taught there? I think within the first year of your child going to a very specific MMA school, and I'm going to use uh, Dan Henderson's gym for reference. Um, when you get hard, there, you probably... What, what was the name of uh, Dan Hendo's uh, gym? It's uh, Dan Henderson's Athletic Fitness Center. Oh, I'm thinking of, of the old... Uh, school, the Lions Den. That's that's not even his oh, gym. The that was Tito's, Den. right? Oh, Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Of. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if they ever taught kids. They might now. If uh, they're still going on there, but I know at Dan's when you first enter as a child, you'll most likely find yourself in a jujitsu or a grappling class because that's what a lot of parents think is best for the kids as far as self defense. Jujitsu has really marketed itself, and more so, Gracie Jujitsu has marketed itself as a very strong self-defense course for those of most ages being maybe five or six and older depending on whatever the school allows to teach but in a very specific mma course you will be bombarded immediately with uh striking grappling defense counters you don't necessarily start at a specific level so for example you don't come in you're like level one mma student you learn the most basic uh, points of how to punch and kick and how to stand in a fighting stance and then you pass to level two it doesn't work like that for mma you simply join in and you're working with the lesson that the class is if the class is going over double a takedown defense that first day is where you learn double a takedown defense 
if they're doing lateral drops. Well, you're working lateral drops now. If they're doing Superman punches into switch leg roundhouse kicks, well, so on and so forth, that's what you're doing. With exception to if you know absolutely nothing, they'll probably give you some basics to work on for a minute before you start getting involved in the class. Because you still have to understand how to hold your hands up and where to punch and how to do so. But a lot of it's learned through experience. And you get there. Yeah. It's crazy that you bring that up, too, because I remember watching, I think it was season five joe lozon i think he was on season five with my boy uh rob emerson and mm. nate i think that was season five uh and he wasn't even really familiar how to hold his hands up they put the basketball there and he was practicing with the basketball over here so it took it, it's it's just so weird how people uh learn how to uh you know stances and stuff and it's it's always evolving we've seen kids now that are coming up that didn't just learn wrestling, didn't just learn uh, jujitsu or or judo or just this or that. What did you start with? I started with Taekwondo back when I was five years old. Okay. And from there, I moved into jujitsu, uh, kickboxing, Muay Thai, wrestling, and boxing. But definitely started with Taekwondo and for many years. And it was only was Taekwondo only there, correct? Yeah. Back in the, it yeah. was only Taekwondo. That's how it was when I was a kid. And they had the karate schools. And we just thought karate was everything. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. uh, when you saw Taekwondo as a kid, what did you think it was? And, and what did it turn out to be? Well, I didn't know. You know, when I got into Taekwondo, it was because my dad passed away and I developed some anger oh, wow. issues when I was five. And I started to, wow. you know, I was acting out in school. I was punching other kids and teachers were not liking me. And so my mom got advice from a friend and threw me into a Taekwondo class because that's just what was available right in the area. Wow. And I knew nothing about it. I didn't understand what I was doing there other than what the instructor at hand taught me. And the first thing I learned was how to stand in a fighting stance, how to throw a punch. A uh, jab cross, a front kick, a roundhouse kick, uh, and the rest was history. But I had zero expectation. I didn't even, I don't even remember knowing why I was there, honestly. I just remember showing up one day after school and thought, this is fantastic. I want to keep coming here and hitting stuff. Um, but it also taught me, and this is an important lesson for anybody, it taught me that regardless of what I think of someone physically, uh, anyone could kick my ass. And so I need to stop being a little dickhead as a kid and stop attacking other students because I'm going to hit the one kid who is sick of me and he's going to be a lot better than I am at that point. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, uh, you ever seen Napoleon dynamite Yeah, <laughs> and, and Rex yeah. Kondo? He's like, Peter Pan over here. Take my wrist, break the wrist, walk away. It's just like, you know, when, when I was a kid, I was just petrified of, you know, getting beat up. I remember I got mugged as a kid and I immediately ran away oh, for my man. football. They, they tried to beat me with bats. I said, I'm not getting beat with a bat. Take the football. I'm out. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of kids now are more into mixed martial arts and you're seeing a lot more violence now than I really believe we saw as as kids. Do you do you agree with that? I'm I think I see a lot more secondhand than I do firsthand. For instance, when I go live or when I talk to the people on my social media, they always ask me, hey, what could I have done differently in this fight? Hey, how do I fight this guy? Hey, this guy's been bullying me for a while. Hey, I want to know how to defend myself. I'm just worried about someone fighting me. And I'm getting dozens of those messages every single day. So it's a very consistent, at least concern for yeah. children today, for these young men and women it's more concerning of violence. They think that it's just going to happen or maybe someone has threatened them with violence and so they think they have to have 
some kind of physical way to either attack them first or protect themselves in case something happens. And more power to them to learn martial arts and defend yourself. Yeah. But I definitely believe that at least the concern for violence is much higher than before. Especially with gun violence. Now, let, let, let's get there. Um, mm -hmm. if, if somebody is trained, right, and approached a fighter with a gun, would, would you run away or would you try to disarm him? What would an MMA fighter probably do? A smart MMA fighter, when approached by an assailant with a loaded gun pointed at them, is going to do one of two things. And that is we are going to hightail it if the nature of the situation allows for, or we are going to give you whatever it is you're asking for, assuming it is not our lives. If you yeah. want us to go somewhere with you, you're going to get hurt. You may kill us, but you're going to get hurt because we're not going with you anywhere. That's stupid. Anyone who tries to move you just wants to hurt you somewhere else, but they don't want people to hear it. But I've got a very nice wallet. It, it was a, a sponsored wallet from Ridge Wallet. I love it. It's oh, beautiful. Ridge Wallet. Hell yeah. Shout out Ridge yeah. Wallet. Shout out Ridge Wallet. Um, <laughs> if, someone, if someone who knows that comes to me with a gun and says, give me your wallet, he can have that and the contents. I can replace it. I can get cards back. The $2 that are attached to it won't matter to me in the long run. <laughs> but when it becomes about my own personal safety in life, that's when I would attack back. Because at that point, if I'm going to die anyways, I might as well go out fighting. There's no sense in not. But contrary to both those things, if an opportunity arises for me to get away, let's say I'm in a car and I can drive or maybe he's distracted or I can um, very risky but possibly punch or knock the gun out of his hand, I'm a dip quickly. I'm going to leave as fast as I can. No, no sense in continuing the altercation post that moment. Now, the reason I bring this up is because there's a lot of people who may not be able to afford going to classes and you have a lot of content on your Instagram. Um, you know, what is the purpose of sparring? Um, we, we got a couple of basic fighting footwork after you slip a jab, easy uppercut setup. Um, and, you know, kids at home, they like watching this kind of stuff. You got to watch the right people, though. You know what I mean? Um, but there's some other things on here that I want to talk to you about as well. You got kicked in the head as a child, as a child. What what went down there? How did so that happen? Well, I, being in Taekwondo, being with a bunch of headhunters, I was kicked in the head a lot. Yeah. But the specific moment I'm referencing, and at least when I'm talking about it in my head, I was going for a red belt, which in my school is considered an upper belt, and that required me to spar two black belts at one time. Albeit they're grown men, they're not going all out, because I was probably 12 or 13 at the time. But one of them I was going with one-on-one -on -one in the first place. He, I had my hands down, he gave me a good kick. He folded his toes back and kicked me with the ball of his feet right in my cheek. Wow. And it was a, it, it was, it was more painful than damaging because I just, it was the first time I experienced a kick like that, um, especially from someone who's so much bigger than me. So it was a very interesting experience. But the point of that video was to tell people that going through the experience of getting kicked, getting hit, was more of an eye opener than a deterrent. It didn't make me more violent. It didn't make me want to hurt the guy because he got me. It made me realize, oh wow. This could really suck if someone decided to full force kick me in the head and I'm not paying attention. Yeah. Um, basically, the video is to tell you that violence can happen at any point and to anyone. So you're better off avoiding it than getting involved because you don't know what the other guy can do. And it teaches you to be a little more humble and respectful and kind to people because 
you know what violence is and you know how far it can get or what could happen. And so there's no reason to start an argument or be overly rude to somebody because God forbid you piss them off on the wrong day and they know how to fight and you don't. So you have a video right here. Uh, it says winning a fight with no training. Um, yes. You want, you want us to play this really quick? Cause I, uh, thought this was a little interesting here. Tips for yeah, go right ahead. Never had any combat training. Build your cardio. You want to know what's free in life? Running. And running, or what we in the industry call road work, will greatly increase your endurance for fighting. But Bear, you hate running. With a burning passion, but I have martial arts training, so this isn't about me. But let's say you also can't stand running. What do you do? Literally anything that makes you tired. You can swim, ride a bike, hike up a mountain, it all takes you to the same place. Which is the ability to last longer in a fight than that drunk bastard over there at the bar. Because after 30 seconds of Hail Mary shots, he's gonna feel like muddy feces. And that's before you even start hitting him. Tips for what? Have you like tried com like comedy at all, man? Cause you're like, you're absolutely amazing at all of this. Well, I thank you, but I, I do get prep time when I do these things. So may I have not thought about doing comedy. <laughs> Um, but maybe if I, maybe a little more into my career, get better at the jokes on the fly and I get better at crafting material, so um, you, it could be something as a goof. You don't write this stuff out ahead of time. You kind of just go for it or do you? Do yeah, I think of, so in that, in those cases, I have two of those videos, I think three of those videos up and it's to people who ask me, well, Hey, I don't have the ability to get to a gym. So how do I learn how to fight and protect myself? Well, you can run running's free. And if you have better cardio than the other guy attacking you. He maybe has 30 seconds of good gas in him before he's like completely wiped out. And then you can pick him apart or run away given the nature of the situation or whatever is happening. So, but for that concept, I thought, I know it has to be hilarious in some ways. I want people to laugh and enjoy what's happening. If I just stand there and tell them, can't go to a gym? Run. It's free. That's boring and maybe a little bit, uh, I can't think of the word, but. They're a little bit too crass or rude, so I'd rather give them something they can enjoy while it's happening. So imagery comes into play, using the backgrounds. Uh, a couple of jokes here and there will come in. I, I couldn't hear exactly what I was saying, but I do remember what I was doing out in my, uh, my little recording area. And so it's just, I do think a lot of the words and stuff on the fly, I'll say it three or four different times. I don't like how it sounds. I'll switch it up, go to something else. My neighbors think I'm insane, repeating myself 25 <laughs> different times. Um, but yeah, I don't always write down the material. I'm more likely to write down things for a YouTube video if it's something specific, but even more uh, more regularly my reaction videos. I don't I just write off the cuff. That's funny that you say that cuz it's a perfect segue into what I was just about to get into. You have a YouTube channel mm -hmm. uh Bear Fiorda and I actually saw that you you do a podcast you spoke with uh one of my favorites uh diego sanchez yeah me and so me and my uh my girlfriend summer run a show called uh behind the scenes and it's got six and a half million listeners and it talks about wow. everything to do with the entertainment world it's either hollywood modern events uh political entertainment or stuff like this where it's martial arts or maybe even uh wwe wrestling entertainment world in general is what we cover and so we were lucky enough to have on uh, Diego Sanchez, especially just after he had broken away from uh, Joshua Fabi and that whole kerfuffle. Can there. we talk about that? Can we talk about what did you bring that up to him? So we did not at the time we had him on, 
it was post their separation. We okay. initially had invited both of them on the show to discuss what's going on in their lives and why they think they're getting the hate that they are. But just prior to that show, they separated. So we no longer had the option to have both of them on. So we ended up having just Joshua Fabi on that day. And he went on a whole tirade of how awful Diego is and all the, no the way. supposedly corrupt things that he's doing and how he's treating people and um, just basically what a bad guy he is. And of course, no one believed that for a minute. We all know that uh, he was being manipulated by Fabia. I think everyone who lives under a rock knew that. And so later on down the line, we got Diego to come on and kind of share his piece so a little wait, bit. You and had, talk about you his had experience. Fabio on. Uh-huh. So was this before or after he interrupted the fighters meeting with uh, my boy Paul Felder and was like, buddy, and thought people were attacking him and this and that. But right before that happened, he was uh, chasing fighters around with a knife inside the cage like to practice. And I kind of understood he was like, you know, picture everything as a knife. But when it came to Diego and the stories Diego was saying before he started training with Fabio, like uh, I felt like I was going to uh, have a seizure after practice, like alarming, alarming things. And then you see him with this. You're like, is this a stunt? Um, did you think it was serious at first or just like a social media kind of gig? Like this guy was real, right? He was 100% true, right? So here's how I can say it best. And I'm going to use, I'm going to okay. bring it up using an example of a different person. Okay. Um, there, there's another gentleman out there right now who I briefly mentioned earlier on in our conversation called Detroit Urban Survival Tactics or Dust. And he's famous for teaching people how to dodge bullets right now. And while most of the world can accurately say, yeah, this guy's full of nonsense, he wholeheartedly believes everything he's teaching you. So while his stuff may not work or be real in a scenario where life is happening, he genuinely believes he's teaching you what he is. He doesn't think he's a fraud in any way. Fabia, on the other hand, actually does not know what he's talking about. He doesn't have a previous experience. He had a failed health guru business at one point in his life, but that's like, the most, I think probably the most physical interaction he ever had. He has military accolades he claims that cannot be backed up. That's weird. And so there's no reason to believe he has any kind of fight training. So when he's going over these things like body hardening and mental correction and these kind of weird retreats he would go on with Diego out in the middle of the forest to get his head in the right space for a fight, he has no basis for why these things are happening. Hell, the video where he hangs him up kicking him in the head, everyone thought if he wasn't bonkers before, he was... Absolutely, an absolute looney tune now, but he stuck to it saying this is hardening up Diego's head, which for anyone out there is curious, you can't condition the skull. You only make yourself more susceptible to getting knocked out. You actually weaken your body that way. Correct you are not helping wrong, yourself. People are doing more and more less sparring than they used to do back in the day. Yeah, you know, you got, you got people like Max Holloway who's specifically, oh, and Donald Cerrone, who specifically yeah. stopped sparring. Um, and during their training and during their camps. It's so just it's, like over the years, you heard of all these crazy gym stories and you know, you got to wonder how much damage these guys took. But at the same time, you got somebody like Diego Sanchez from ultimate fighter season one that you're sitting there banging in the head a year before he was saying that, you know, his head was messed up and you could he, Diego was always kind of 
you know, eccentric, and we always loved him. But it was hard to watch something like that. And people tried comparing it to, I think his name was uh, Ido Portal uh, doing, you know, Touch Butt in the Park. But I kind of was interested in the natural movements and, you know, watching how animals fight and stuff like that. I don't think he was hurting Connor. I think Connor was opening his mind up to something different. And you could kind of see it in his fights. But when it came to Diego, it was just like this guy wanted clout off of Diego. And I, yes, it, it just very kind much of so. bothered, bothered me. How did he come off to you in person? Because he does seem like a, a nice guy that, you know, I've never met him. It does seem like he he really does believe he is helping. So, you know, like how, how did he come off to you? So I, he, I took him as a scam artist immediately. I don't think he had anyone's interest in mind other than his own. In fact, even when he had um, gotten Diego and OnlyFans, he took oh, all the OnlyFans money. He got Diego's, no. uh, I think he made a million dollars roughly off OnlyFans using Diego's pictures and videos that he would take himself and orchestrate and direct <laughs> and set up. Stop! Yeah, and he took all of it. Diego didn't, and he told us this himself. Diego so wanted to be done with this man that post their separation, really? he did not chase him for a dime. He let this man leave with every penny he made off of off of his off his body. He did not because he just wanted to be done. He just wanted to be out of it completely. So that's how I know Fabia for sure is a scam artist. He had no interest in helping anyone. He just wanted to line his pockets. He found a guy he can manipulate to do that, who already had a following and a way to make more money. In fact, when he went to that fighters meeting and when he was talking to um, Sarah or Sierra in the in like that restaurant, he was just pissed that the UFC cut him from that last fight and wasn't willing to pay him out for it. So strange to me how many of these people are out there. And it it's kind of like the fake martial arts thing as well. Have you heard of the guy that does the uh, the touch of death? And you ever hear of, of that guy, the older guy? He has like a yeah. bunch of people and he just it, uh huh. It's, it's, it's I don't remember his name, but his technique is called the dim mock, or as yes! you said, the death touch. And his <laughs> his only his only resource for why it works is a story in which he claims he killed a goat by doing it. The um, man who stares at goats. What was that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The man who stares at goats. Thank you. And so it, it came about. That's just how it first came about. How we started hearing about it recently was he started coming out with outright. He just claims that have always they've always kind of been there. Like this man's not. He's not new to the fake martial arts world. I think we have stories of him back in the 60s and 70s. He's quite an old fella talking about this touch of death stuff. But at the time, we didn't know any better. And especially in the world of fake martial arts back in the 80s where everyone opened up a kung fu gym or a karate gym. You know, it was the first UFC. Uh, yeah. One guy owned like a topless chicken bar, ended up being a meth dealer. Uh, you know, uh, one guy lied about uh, his career and... It, it's 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 just crazy back in the day they had a magazine i forgot what it was called but there was a guy his name was like master something he was like a nin, ninjutsu or something like that that's and still was, a sadly prominent martial art of fake ones out there today really yeah people still fully believe in the art of ninjutsu wow you know it's 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 quite comical to me but when it comes down to self-defense and people who actually need to be trained. And I sit there and I watch 
There's a kid, and I've interviewed him um, a bunch of times, who now does a thing on Instagram where he confronts these people and he goes into classes where they're teaching these things and he'll he'll start like go in there and be like try it on me and he'll shut them down and people get absolutely outraged about it but there are 20 30 people there watching and listening and and believing all of this stuff which is you know out of control and in this day and age where you have Jake Paul boxing and you have, um, you know, Nate Diaz wanted to leave the UFC, it all started with uh, McGregor versus Mayweather. How do, how do you feel about mixed martial artists going over to boxing? Because to me, it's just, it just feels, I have a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you say what you're going to say and then uh, I'll, I'll say what I am because I just feel fighters don't get paid enough. They're not respected enough. I feel like Jake Paul, you know, I didn't really like him at first, but he's speaking up about fighter pay and what they deserve. And um, it's just sad to see a YouTuber be able to pay them and then get knocked out. It's like you're you're going and I'm, you know, my little brother's gay. So when I say this, don't come at me like all crazy guys, but it's like going gay for pay in a way. You know what I mean? I'm going to fight this guy so I can make a ton of money, but it might ruin my career, you mm. know? And I feel like it's heading in a positive direction, as silly as it is. Um, so first question, what do, you, what do you think about all of that? What did you think when Mayweather McGregor went down? Did you think it would get to this point? What are your thoughts on all of that? I really thought it was exciting to watch that fight. I, I love the idea that Connor, being a prominent MMA guy, could really go in there and beat the brakes off this top high-level boxer, one of the best to ever do it, and got really damn close. Yeah. Unfortunately, wasn't able to pull it off in that last round. What were uh, you no, scoring sorry, in the 10th it? round. What were you they scoring had- it? Because the judges didn't score a round for him. I had him winning a couple of those rounds in, in my book. I actually had him with the first four. Out Thank of the you. ten rounds they went, I had him for the first four rounds. I thought he was the more dominant active fighter. He started to get a little bit tired, and you can see Mayweather's stance actually changed. He started to dig his heels in a little more, had a bit of a higher, tighter guard, and he was better able to stop Connor's significant strikes that way. Um, but I didn't, and even the ending where they said he was knocked out, Connor wasn't knocked out. He may have been rocked or he got lifted for a second, but he was still within himself to continue before the ref just called it off completely. So I was excited. I was absolutely stellar to see that fight happen. Now, as far as what people are getting into now, I don't think it's bad. And it's not necessarily, I'm not even talking about fighter pay at this point. I just think that as far as the concept of bringing some more entertainment to the world of boxing or MMA, maybe you've never heard of this guy before as an MMA fighter, but he's walking up here and fighting this pro boxer he watched for the last five years, or you can even flip that scenario. Um, and it brings more attention to both sports, which I think is great. Boxing, as a lot of people have been talking about, has been kind of on the downturn for a while. It still makes a ton of money, but it's not the in thing. It's not the hip martial art fighting style that people can go and compete in now. So this is a way to kind of bring some limelight back to those competitors. But it gets so weird because I was uh, speaking with Jimmy Smith about this. Um, obviously, you know Jimmy Smith from Bellator and his commentary. And he was basically saying to me, 
you know, you want to see the best of the best fighting one another. And when you see um, everyone was trying to get in there, Francis Ngannou versus, versus Fury. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you think that one would would have went if it if it went down? Um, I kind of think Fury would beat the brakes off Ngannou in a boxing match. I, I don't think Ngannou's boxing is up to par with that level. Um, and it's not not to say he isn't a great striker. It's certainly I'll strike the fuck out of me or anyone else I'm aware of. But yeah, I, I don't think that he would have beaten Fury, um, or at least not in the way he believes he would have. Maybe if they got him to agree to a smaller gloves limitation or uh, maybe inside the cage, something something that plays into his advantage, but not in a boxing ring, not with the conventional gloves, not basically you can't. A boxer works his entire life to become a master with the hands. An MMA guy works his entire life to become the best jack of all trades. The problem with that is you're still not a specialist. So if you decide to break away and go to a boxing match or go to a Muay Thai match or go to a jiu-jitsu or a grappling match, you may be really, really good. But are you the best of the best? No, because you haven't put that time in. And it will show when you face off against one of those guys. We've seen the best in the world, at least in, in my opinion, especially for females, Jarena uh, Bars. Uh, who's a Muay Thai fighter. Uh, she uh, beat Chris Cyborg for the first time when Cyborg was trying to do Muay Thai. She's mm. had some of the most amazing fights uh, out in Amsterdam. I've seen her live at Lion Fight, uh, cage side a couple times. Great girl. And, um, you know, she tried coming into mixed martial arts as a Muay Thai fighter, and she gets taken to the ground. Everyone tries to exploit that. Uh, with Valentina Shevchenko, who grew up as a Muay Thai fighter, to see her recently trying to grapple, um, it's it's just absolutely crazy. You need time to learn how to do that. And when it comes to mixed martial arts fighting boxers, I wish the boxers would try to you know come over here and do that. And I'm not talking about James Tony from years ago, but um, th this is what uh, Jimmy Smith had to say to everybody uh, in our interview. The ring, at least. You know, right now, if you want to see his magic, check him out in the UFC. See what he's great at. And, and that's the thing that, that's been killing boxing recently. It's making a comeback. But what, what's killing a lot of boxing is the best aren't necessarily fighting the best. And when you look at, you know, uh, the 147-pound division, welterweight was essentially the, the, which was the weight they fought in. Um, you have Keith Thurman. You have Errol Spence Jr., Floyd Mayweather. Of course, he's retired. But so many great names in that weight class. And the idea that you want to see Conor McGregor get in there and fight again when, you know, he, that's not, he's never going to be number one, he's never going to be a contender, he's never going to make a career out of it, he's never going to be a consistent name in boxing. Let's have the best face the best in boxing and in MMA. With that being said, uh, the offer's on the table. We just saw Nate trying to fight Jake. Uh, we see a lot of boxers and MMA fighters going back and forth. Is that something that you you want to see or do you think that you know you should you should stick here or is it just a money grab what's I'll going on here so i'll never tell anyone to stay in their metaphorical lane if you want to switch it course. up dude go yeah. for it you have the best time of your life and if the money's right look i love ufc and i love mma but and this money. is a career <laughs> i need yeah. to make money and survive so if there's a better avenue for me to do that, but I can still continue to keep punching people, shit, why not? Let's take that opportunity. 
I chose MMA because it's what I've been learning having done multiple martial arts. But if someone comes up to me at the contract saying, hey, on the side, if you want to do this boxing match for 500 grand and I'm on average making 75 grand, I'm going to take it. Why not? It's fun for people to watch. It's additional money. No, no harm with that at all. But it's definitely more of a money grab. This is not something I would continue in. It's not something I imagine any of these guys continuing. Kamaru Usman's not going to abandon the welterweight belt to go fight Canelo and whoever else comes after him. That's not going to happen. He'll stay in the UFC until he retires and maybe pull an Anderson Silva on us and do a little bit of boxing after the fact. But it's going to be a one-off. It's going to be for money and it's going to be for more hype. It's going to be to try and boost their uh, presence in the world. Do you want to know what my theory is? Sure, let's hear it. So, like you were just saying, you know, boxing was dying for a while. After, you know, Connor kind of fell off, Ronda fell off. When ESPN signed them, it's like, shit, we don't have any superstars. They're trying to build the superstars back up. They, they're mm. trying to work with each other. You have all these new young uh, kids. Um, I, I've done a couple interviews with some very popular kids on Twitter, and I was like, when's the first uh, MMA fight you watched? And it's like three years ago, and they got like 30,000 followers on Twitter right now, and it's like, wow, man, that, that's badass. But it's like, you know, there's a new generation here, and I feel like both these sports are trying to help one another because, you know, we need one another, really. And it's really growing like crazy, but when you see someone like Jake Paul out there at first, I was like, what the? But he's speaking up about fighter pay. It's the ESPN era. These fighters aren't getting paid what they deserve. It's, like I said, the ESPN era, and the champions aren't happy with what they're getting paid. They're going to go fight a YouTuber and get more money. Like, they have so many sponsors on the Octagon, but you can't have any on your shorts. Uh, I remember one year Cowboy Cerrone was asked to take uh, his American flag uh, off or something like that. Matt Mitchell was asked to take his Adidas sandals off. It's like, you know, Danny was even like, I don't want sponsors on the shorts like Condom Depot. But yet before a main event title fight, uh, Amanda Nunes has to sit there and listen about the new Netflix movie for 30 seconds before like a, a huge fight. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You think fighters should have sponsorships at least? And like, why not? I like, don't remember the reason why they cut sponsors from, uh, the, the, Reebok. from the ability. Yeah, it was the Reebok deal. And that part of that deal was the UFC fighters who went to compete on those events would get a $5,000 bonus. That's the Reebok bonus. And that was not great for a majority of them because a lot of them would make more money off their own individual sponsors than the five grand they got from Reebok. Now, I don't know if Venom has sweetened the deal. I don't know if it's gone to 10 or 15 or if it's still five or less. I don't really know what their situation is, but I do know they're paying the UFC for that spot. That's the bottom line. UFC may have reached out or maybe they reached out after the contract with Reebok ended, but they one or got in contact with the other and said, hey, Venom will pay a large sum of money to be the UFC sponsor or to so, be the, the fighter's sponsor. I spoke a lot about this years ago when all of that was going on. And I had one of the guys over at the Reebok team actually reach out to me and explain what was exactly going on. And they were really trying to help, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the UFC. And it did look, you know, much more professional, right? But... At the same time, at least let them have one or two sponsors to make a little bit more money if they're complaining about it all. $5,000 compared to what Brendan Schaub said, he was getting 
$8,000 per fight extra because of those sponsors is, uh, that's huge. That's huge. But instead, it goes back to the Gladiator era where they took away Knockout of the Night. Remember they took out Knockout of the Night because it was too brutal. So now it's Performance of the Night. It's the Mission of the Night. Yeah. And, and it's like you're making these guys go in there and basically look for the knockout. It really reminds me of the Gladiator days. It's thumbs up, thumbs down, and it, it kind of just rubs me the wrong way. Like why can't they get more money? I looked into the facts, and last year uh, the UFC made $1 billion. Uh, dollars, right? And revenue. Wow. 17.5% of that went to the fighters themselves. Right. Where did the rest of that money go? Why aren't they getting uh, the rest of They want us to pay $90 per ba per pay-per-view. Um, it, it's, it's just crazy right now. The new kids, they can't afford $90 for pay-per-views. So it's just like, it's, it's madness right now. Um, you know, how many pay-per-views do you watch a year? It's hard to do every one. As a reporter, you know, you kind of got to stretch out and, you know, figure out how to watch these fights. You know, what was it like when you were growing up? You know, how expensive were pay-per-views? Because I think they're like 24, 30 bucks tops back then. When I was growing up. When I was growing up, I didn't really watch a lot of fights or major events like that. But in general, to get a pay-per-view by anywhere, I would I think my mom was spending anywhere from five to twenty five dollars, depending on what what the event was or what the movie was. It was very inexpensive at the time. Were you like me watching Stone Cold doing the uh, Stone Cold Stunner? Those are the only pay-per-views I rented or late at night. I'd rent the, uh, you know, the Cinemax movies <laughs> back when I was a kid. But um. Getting back to what we were just talking about, uh, is, is it a pro for Jake Paul to be in here or no? In, in here, and what what do you mean in the context? To he's trying to get into the UFC, right? He's trying to speak up for fighters' pay. Um, do, do you think he can make that happen? How do you, how do you feel about what he's trying to do? And do you think he'll succeed at that? Because it's not it... the union. Remember, they were trying to do yeah. the union. You had they were trying to champions. make the union. I remember Donald Cerrone was even a part of that when we brought him up. He was trying to make uh, be a part of that. And now a YouTuber is uh, getting under Dana's skin out of everybody who has the money to back it up too. Which that was always the argument. They're not going to be able to afford to take me to court. Um, do, you, do you have any faith in this, or are you just not about it? I don't really know where I stand on that. If it works, fantastic. So I, I guess actually with, the, with those words, the context is I don't have a whole lot of faith. I don't think yeah. maybe it's the start, but we won't see it in our current fighting generation. Hell, I don't think exactly. I'll see it in my fighting generation. Maybe the ones to come after the fact. Like I was saying, this is the new era, the new youth. So the new generation, we might see those changes. I got a couple more questions for you. Uh, okay, comes, that's good because I, I was going to tell you whenever we had a second that I do need to hop off in just a bit. I know. I watched your interview before this, by the way. Um, oh, thank you. Walkouts. What, what's your favorite walkout of all time? My favorite walkout of like of uh, like of a fighter that I enjoy. Yeah, that like pumped you up. Like, was it GSP back in the day? Was it Kimo Leopold? Or what, like, oh, or are you not man. into those kind of walkouts? Well, I didn't. I like. For example, Mayhem I like when guys came out and they were just really hyped and smiling and enjoying themselves. 
Sam Alvey has great walkouts because of that, like watching his. Yeah, exactly. Um, He's coming on this week, I believe. Oh, sweet. That's cool. And then even even people like Israel Adesanya with that kind of choreography style opening when they come on out. Um, Those those things are exciting to me. But when the guy's just walking out, he's – he looks like he's mad or he's had to take a poop for the last three hours and no one would let him. Uh, that's not all that fun for me to watch. <laughs> oh, bro, you're, 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 you're seriously so funny. Um, oh, thank you. Last thing I want to bring up, man, you are doing something so special with uh, the nonprofit uh, uh, the gym. How can people uh, get involved, back this up, and can you just explain it just just a little bit what your mission is? Because it's something I really want to back. I want my listeners to back. I want to bring up on every show to remind them as well. Um, what, what's it about and uh, what does it mean to you? Absolutely. So the concept we're talking about here is called free MMA. This is a free mixed martial arts gym where we teach everyone the ability to defend themselves, gain confidence, leadership skills, or maybe one day compete if it makes them happy at no charge, no membership fees. I started this back in 2018 with my mother, of all people, because we both saw how much martial arts did for me growing up and where she struggled to keep me involved in martial arts, taking two jobs at one time to make sure I can stay in the classes. Yeah, since I was five. Um, A lot of the friends I trained with who couldn't continue to payment, either because their parents couldn't afford it or they personally couldn't afford it, they would drop out and growing up in a rougher area, they'd get involved in gangs, drugs, and some of them passed away. And so to me, if they'd stayed in martial arts, they would not have experienced these things and would have the same opportunities that I have today. And that's what I want to give to everyone. And it's a community project that's not just meant for the city it's in, which is Cathedral City, but it's meant for anyone who ever wants to come out. I've had people travel from out of uh, county, out of state, come to participate in some of the classes here at Free MMA. So it's definitely, the point is to make sure everyone can get martial arts to benefit from what it has to offer, regardless of whether they could or could not afford it. And as far as supporting goes, we have options for donations on all our social media. At Free MMA Gyms with an S. There's a link in every bio that'll send you to their website for which it you can donate to directly. It will be down below here as well. I'll put the link down below here for everybody Oh, perfect. Perfect. Thank you. And then, of course, on my own personal social media pages, at Bear Fiorda, Bear like the animal, F-I-O-R-D-A. You click the link in any of those bios, you get sent to the website where you can immediately donate to support the nonprofit if that's what you want to do. Or you can even buy from my merchandise store, which I don't collect on. All that money, again, goes to free MMA. Pretty much anything I make on social media goes to supporting the nonprofit. You know what? You know, I'm going to make an announcement right now. I have a new uh, merch line coming out. I will donate 30% of all my sales to your organization. So thank you. Expect that to be dropping um, July 6th. I'm going to have that up by this weekend. So I'm going to tag you in it. Um, What we'd like to do at this point in the interview, if you have any shout outs, uh, social media, anything at all, the floor is now all yours. So absolutely, I just want to say thank you again for having me on. This was so much fun. I love the questions, the banter. This was perfect. Um, the biggest things I want to talk about again are just my personal social media at Bear Fiorda. Get live updates on any fights, content, uh, live streams, and of course at Free MMA Gyms and the websites and links of both of those pages in order to go and donate to the nonprofit itself. And where can we find the Diego Sanchez 
uh, interview. Is that on the your YouTube channel over here so, at Bear Fiorda, or where there, is it? There is a video up on Bear Fiorda where the link in the description does have the actual interview, but it's more of me talking about it. If you want to catch the full interview easily, you can go to voiceamerica.com. You'll click on our personal channel. It'll show uh, Summers and my face. It'll say behind the scenes. And from there, you can scroll through the different uh, airings of shows that we've had on, including, most prominently, Diego Sanchez. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me here on Pure Evil MMA. I'm going to have the link up down below. I wish you nothing but the best. I would love to have you back on the podcast soon to talk a little more about how you go about creating some of your content and uh, maybe we maybe we can do something in the future and like I said uh, guys links down below thank you so much remember without evil there's no purity thanks bear I'll talk to you in a little bit God bless yes sir and thank you for all that you do seriously man it means a lot well thank you for having me on to talk about it God bless my name is Bear Fiorda and you're listening to pure evil MMA